Acuna's back just in time to take on the Mets. I mean, we got a big series coming up, you know, so um, with the division foe and, you know, as they all are. Welcome to the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Jay Black with your AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscana, who is in Texas now, but on the way to New York, and it's only May, but Justin, we got some big ball this week. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the Mets look good. The Braves do not look so good, but this is a big series. There's four games in New York, and the Braves could kind of swing it and, and start a run here with a good series. All right, coming up, we will size up that Braves series with the Mets this week. We'll also dig into what happened with the Rangers, what Ronald Acuna's return means for Atlanta, and we'll take some of your mailbag questions as well. A reminder, if you're hearing us for the first time, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, so Justin, I think I figured out what the Braves' issues are. They're 0-4 on Sundays, and we record on Sundays. We have not done a winning show yet. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we should just apologize to everybody right now, and then we'll check our schedules after and kind of, I guess, rotate to another day of the week, shuffle something up for these guys. Well, we're going to be with you here every Monday as we get going here, and the Braves do call up Kyle Muller to make a spot start on Sunday. It does not go great. He gives up seven runs, can't get out of the third inning with six walks. You know, I I looked back and watched the the outing. There was a walk to Seager in the second inning and Lowe in the third inning where it's just not even competitive. But, you know, up until then, I thought there were some pretty close pitches. I felt like I was around the zone for the most part just one minute, you know, and I'll take that. Compared to you know last year where I struggled, is I wasn't even close. Again, man, these are young young guys with stuff, and he's come a long way. Um, we're gonna need him. We, you know, at, at some point, I told him we're, we're gonna need you for a run at some point. And um, but I, I see, you know, improvement over last year. That's Brian Snitker. I guess the good news is the bullpen shut Texas down from there on out. But uh, what happened to Kyle on Sunday? Yeah, he just he just couldn't command his pitches, and he thought it was a step forward because of last year. And you know, said in that quote, he was just missing a lot and not competitive. He felt he was more around the zone today, just not in the zone. But he knows it. You know, he said it. You still can't give up six walks. Obviously, that's nothing to be proud of. He from the jump, he was just kind of everywhere. You know, missing. He had a couple non-competitive walks. Um, others were more competitive. There was a check swing that call that appeared to go against him but he had at least three men on in each of the you know three innings that he pitched that's not a great recipe for success um you know he's going to need to figure out how to control it a little more hone it in he feels like he's close but um today we just you know the Braves probably didn't expect seven shutout innings from him but they certainly expected a little bit more than this um as they were giving Max Fried the extra day and pushing him to New York um but Kyle Muller just didn't get it done um and it just kind of continues that rotating you know revolving door of of kind of fist starter options that the Braves you know could go through and they're waiting to try to get some consistency from that spot um after optioning Bryce Elder and Mueller's going back down too with the rosters getting condensed back to 26 is that kind of why he got the start was to kind of squeeze in a 
one more start from an extra guy before you had to send somebody down? Yeah, it could be, especially because pulling up a guy like that, optioning Bryce Elder, um, keeps the – they were carrying 16 pitchers. There's going to be, even with 26-man rosters, a 14-pitcher max through May 29th. Um, so the Braves just, in essence, had to had to send two pitchers down uh, to reach to trim the roster and reach that that max, you know, that pitcher max. And so that made the most sense, you know, is I'm, what I'm thinking is that you know you bring up a guy like that, option him down, um, and then William Woods was the other pitcher who was optioned. He you know pitched pretty well for them over two innings, you know, two scoreless innings. Um, debuted Wednesday, pitched again here uh, Sunday. Um, in the finale so those two Woods and Moeller sent down and now um, yeah the Braves have their 26 man roster but mind you they will need a 27th man for that double header coming up because that is a big series obviously the Braves get a huge uh, shot in the arm this week on Thursday with the kind of surprise return of Ronald Lacuna after a late night call from Alex Anthopoulos I was playing Call of Duty about 1 a.m. you know when his name popped up on my phone and uh, so I answer, and he asked me, you know, are you ready to play tomorrow? And knowing that I had a game in Gwinnett, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to play. He's like, no, 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 are you ready to play up here tomorrow? I was like, oh, yeah, let's go right now. I'm ready. <laughs> and so just excited. That's uh, Ronald with the team's interpreter. And, and, Justin, things just feel different now with Acuna back at the top of the order. 100%. Uh, Kyle Wright said it best um, on Thursday. He was starting that day and did not get to see Ronald around – the field while he was doing his preparation but said that you could feel a little bit of a different energy and then when a guy like that is in your lineup um, not only does it increase the depth of your lineup and it lengthens it uh, but it allows guys to slot in at, at places you know they may be more you know fit at more like they like Ozzy Albies in the kind of the meat of the order there at you know fifth um, pushes everybody down you know one after that um, and yeah it it creates a spark because pitchers have to think so much about Ronald Acuna. Um, not only from, you know, he's got all five tools, can hit, can hit for power. And then when he's on the bases, I mean, he stole two bases in his return. Um, and the Braves as a team had had three in the 19 games before that. Um, and he stole two of them in one game. He creates just such a dynamic, especially when, you know, now there have been some struggles at the top of the lineup a little bit, um, you know, since we last did this podcast, but the Braves, for most of the season, this young season, have struggled at the bottom of that lineup um, and kind of getting some ducks on the pond. And Ronald Acuna really helps add some more punch to that. He's only got two hits so far, one of them being a check swing bloop RBI single. Um, but he just, I think he just needs time to get his at bats. And, and you're going to, that top five is as good as any in baseball uh, once he gets going. And that's what uh, Snit told you and the reporters in Texas on Sunday. He needs a bath. He needs a bath. He needs to get his timing. You know, it's, I, I don't care how much, it didn't matter. If he stayed in rehab for another month and came up here, he was, it was still, it's going to be different for him. So he's kind of, you know, the, the more bats he gets, the better he'll be also. Um, so it's, it's, you know, he's in this, this atmosphere and, and getting his timing and, and, and all that. It's, it's, um, you know, he, he he's, like I said, I'm confident the more bats we give him, the better he's going to be. How close to 100% does he look to you? Oh, he looks 100% for sure. I just think from a timing perspective, probably at 90, 80. Like, he's still getting used to the big league pitching. Um, now, he did see it in lives and spring training. I just think he's probably, you know, I think he looks, in terms of the way he can play, I think he's 100%, even though he's played one game in right field, DH the other two games as we sit here and do this podcast. 
I just think it's about timing and about rhythm um, and flow. He's seeing big league pitching for the first time. These aren't AAA guys um, and hadn't seen it, you know, in 10 months consistently. So I think he'll be fine. He looks good to me. I mean, some of the swings he's taken, um, even if he's swung and missed, have, you know, have been hacks. He looks like Ronald Acuna to me. Uh, just a tick behind um, and still getting up to speed a little bit. But in terms of the way he's run the bases and the way he played right field uh, the other night, he looks, it doesn't look like the Braves, I'll say it this way, it doesn't look like the Braves just shuttled him through and, and completely rushed him. He looks ready to be here. Um, and he even said that he felt uh, in the second week of spring training that he could have played a nine-inning game. And as somebody who watched him out in those lives in spring training, uh, he looked very, very good um, in the box and, and doing stuff in the outfield. So, you know, obviously they were going to be cautious with him, but just a little tick behind at the plate, I think. You mentioned that they are going to be cautious with him. What's kind of the, the timeline and the strategy on, on how they will use him as they ramp him up? Right. So it's it's very fluid. Um but he has played, as I said, one game in right field in his return, and that gave him back-to-back nine-inning games in right field, if you count the his last rehab game, has DH twice. Uh, going forward, the plan was to not play him um, on travel days, so that would constitute, for them, Monday in New York would be considered a travel day for them, even you know if they're going there you know tonight, Sunday night. Um but Brian Snicker said, you know, he'll he'll probably play Monday's series opener too. So it's a very fluid plan, but the most concrete answer we've gotten to anything has been uh, Snit just saying that he's not going to be an everyday outfielder until the 12-month mark, uh, which would be some at some point in July. Again, that could change considering uh, if they held to their original target date with Acuna, he'd be coming back five days from now. Um, he's already been back, you know, for a handful of days. Uh, so it could change, and everything's been fluid so far with the way they've handled it going day on day by day. But that 12-month mark is something that seems a little more concrete of when he could play every day in the outfield because it just seems like they'll still be cautious with him. Even that, though, could change. You had a great story earlier this week on AJC.com slash sports, and, and you can also find it on your Twitter timeline as well, about what it all took to get Acuna back here in, in 10 months from ACL surgery. Who is Alexander Salazar? Yeah, so he's an agent with Rep1, but um, more than that, uh, not your typical agent. He also runs an academy in Venezuela where Ronald Acuna is from, and he actually accompanied Ronald um, throughout his 10-month rehab in terms of he was, you know, there for the surgery, through that process, through the beginning stages of rehab, through the rest of rehab. Basically, what he did from the agency side is coordinated Ronald Acuna's rehab uh, with all sides, with doctor, um, the doctor who performed the surgery, with the Braves uh, staff, um, with everybody else. And when Ronald Acuna went from L.A. to Venezuela, um, in the middle of his rehab, um, Alexander Salazar put together a team of trainers there, uh, each with specific roles that could help Ronald. So he was basically there for every step and seemed to think that as much as Ronald did physically, um, and the biggest physical thing being that instead of working out one part of his body, he worked out his whole body, something that you know I think Brian Snicker and the Braves have noticed. He thinks Ronald Acuna is better mentally now um just for having gone through this he was really frustrated at the beginning um you know young kid had never gone through this before and was frustrated at the beginning because he he wondered if he could ever play again and so you know once they stayed at him with positive messages and kind of told him that he could be better after this rehab and better than ever and could come back stronger then you know ronald was a little more 
you know, willing with the rehab and kind of had a little more motivation for it. But it was just that initial frustration, which is totally understandable. Meanwhile, it's been kind of a rough week for the Braves. Two most expensive players, maybe even a rough couple of weeks. Let's start with Matt Olson. He's a baseball player. You think he's going to? I didn't think he's going to hit 450 for the year. So guys are going to, you know, they're going to go through stretches like that. I don't see anything other than the fact that he's doing what everybody in the game does. For the first 12 games, Olson was in fact at 452. Uh, the 11 games since, he's got six hits, which is 122. Can can you see a difference or just a little little stretch here? I think just a little stretch. Uh, to me, and this is completely anecdotal, seems to be striking out a little more, has had a couple non-competitive at-bats, but there are balls he's still hitting hard um, that are either, you know going right at people or things that just aren't falling. I mean, he's still putting the bat on the ball, and he's hit a couple balls hard. I think it was just a matter of cooling off. Um, a little bit you know you maybe you don't expect it to that degree i just think he's he's fine still batting 291 with an ops at almost 850 uh, if i recall correctly i think he's gonna be i don't see a huge difference in him um and he's still been great defensively so i don't think there's really any real reason for panic yet there because it's you know it's been a week it's been you know a week and a half whatever um and and he's talented enough where he will come around and snits right you know it's, it's baseball at that point I he's looked a little worse and not as you know impacting the ball like he did the first couple weeks but he's still he's still hitting balls hard and he it's not like he's you know not competitive every time up there and I think that's what you want to see as a guy still grinding at bats and I think I think he's really done that regardless of you know hitting into a, a double play today or you know things that haven't gone his way I think he's still been up there trying to grind. Meanwhile, Charlie Morton just has not had a dominant start at all yet so far here in the first month of the season. Just can't get anything going, especially after getting pulled, only after getting seven outs on Wednesday. And and to me, this is maybe the most insightful piece of sound we've had yet this year from a player. I think it's the same theme. Falling behind guys. When I do get ahead, I don't put guys away. There, there are a lot of times where I'm out there and I'm thinking, you know, all right, like make a pitch here and – I may or may not make the pitch, but it seems like um, the feedback from the hitters isn't what I want it to be. So but it just seems like the the pitches that I have to make to get the swings and misses, to get the weak contact, have to be better than they were before. So I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that is, I don't know if that's actually what's happening, is that I'm having to make better pitches, like my stuff isn't playing up where it was. Or um, if that's just something that I'm making up in my head. You were in the room. What did you make of what you heard there? Honest, compelling, insightful. Everything you could ever ask uh, in a post-game interview from somebody who had an awful night, um, had every reason to not share any of that stuff, had every reason to give cliches. Um, We see those all the time. Um, I was impressed and, uh, you know, grateful that Charlie Morton gave us that. I, I think, I think it's a guy who is an insightful guy, an insightful, candid guy who's just really struggling and trying to find the answers to why, um, to hear a pitcher wonder if, you know, his stuff is maybe playing at the level it did, or to even assess it to the fact that he's having to make way better pitches to get the types of swings he was getting, you know, in previous seasons that really is cutting stuff and, and, and pretty deep. 
another thing I took away was to another question. Uh, Charlie Morton said, well, you know, if I, to, if he still had confidence, he could turn this around. He said, well, if I, you know, quit whenever there was a, a bump, I probably would have retired 10 or so years ago. Um, so it's a guy who is smart. He's looking for answers and, and he does his work. He does his preparation. Um, he's always curious about why things occur. And I think that's why you're going to see him turn it around because he's not a guy who relies on, you know, his stuff is great, but he's not a guy who relies on the overpowering velocity or just the overpowering movement like we see with, you know, other elite pitchers in the game. He locates well, he's savvy, he pitches to his strengths, um, and he's got a lot of pitchability. And so I think um, that gives him reason to turn around. Another part I thought was very insightful for him was, I personally was looking at this as not concerning just because he had had this last year, had a rough first six starts last year. I think he had an ERA over five. But this year he said it just seems like he hasn't been able to command it. Like it's been different. Like that last year, and if you look at the the FIP and the expected ERA, things like that, all that says he probably pitched better than a five ERA through those first six starts last year. This year, he doesn't feel like he's performed as well. So we'll have to watch that going forward in terms of the command, in terms of the stuff, how his pitches are playing. But this is a savvy veteran who has gotten to this place for a reason, who has adapted throughout his career. And that's why I don't really think we should totally give up on the Charlie Morton, you know, being a number two starter yet. Like, he, he's fine. Like, I, you know, get, let's give it some time. The Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. And time to buckle down and get it right here. Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday, and if you don't have a plan figured out yet, Kroger has many ways to help you. You can get your flowers, you can get your sweets, or if you want to go to the Mother's Day brunch buffet route, Kroger's got everything you need for that delicious spread. So go to Kroger.com slash Mother's dash day to see all the deals they have on wine and chocolate and more. So make your local Kroger store or go to Kroger.com, your one-stop shop for Mother's Day. Got anything you want to say to your mama, uh, Justin, before uh, Mother's Day? <laughs> yeah, uh, Mom, if you're listening, I love you. And, um, yeah, thanks for all the support throughout the years and all you've done for me. I was actually, for people not listening, my birthday's May 12th, and I was actually born on a Mother's Day, and my birthday falls ah. on Mother's Day every five years or so um and there is no greater joy in life than sharing a birthday with the best mom in the, or sharing a day with the best mom in the world so mom i love you and thanks for everything you've done for me my mama kind of got a raw deal uh, her birthday is monday may the 2nd so she this year she gets no like week off between mother's day and birthday so it's all going to kind of hit uh, on at the same time so sorry mama you're going to get all your presents all right there in a row but hey that's uh, that's the way it goes <laughs> meanwhile back to baseball and um the Eddie Rosario news uh, to start the week kind of explains a lot. Can't hit what you can't see. What's what's the update on his status? Yeah, so I'd heard that was, you know, probably 8 to 12 weeks um, away from baseball. Now, obviously, that's a big range. That was before the procedure, but there was really no updated timeline after that. But, yeah, it's it's uh, to correct blurred vision and swelling in that right eye, and it does explain a lot. You think about the fly ball in San Diego that he, he just missed or the other balls in the outfield that have kind of been somewhat of an adventure um and the thing i actually look at is looking back at his um stats and you know at the plate throughout the first you know however many games before his surgery 17 18 whatever it was he was three for 44 that's not good but how do you only strike out 10 times only 10 <laughs> strikeouts with an eye where you know where you can't see properly that to me is is pretty incredible um 
and so yeah, finally he finally reported to the Braves. It's a really you know terrible situation. You hope the best for him, especially because that is you know your eye. That's such a serious thing. Um, you're glad that he's getting it taken care of, getting it sorted, and and you know hoping he's back to normal um, with that laser eye procedure. But yeah, it, it really explains a lot. Um, and really, they've had to shuffle the outfield around that after. But when somebody goes down, there is an opportunity. Travis Demerit has seized his opportunity. And and here in, in the Braves Report podcast, we do want to take you inside the clubhouse as much as we can. So here's Justin with Travis earlier this week after the Winder native hit his first homer here in Atlanta. Definitely has been a long route here, but uh, I felt great, you know, to be able to put this uniform on and play in front of my family and friends uh, in the state that I grew up in. You know, it's, it's almost scripted, man. It felt uh, a little, little too good to be true. Eight of my family members were here tonight, and then uh, friends, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, they show up, you know, they come to almost every game, so I'm not really sure on the friend side. Just with the long road, um, the stint in Detroit after 20, did you ever wonder if you'd get back here? Uh, certainly, man. It's a it's a tough game to play here, so uh, you know it's even harder to make it up here to the major league. So, uh, you know, it definitely did play in my mind a little bit, but you know, my thought process along the way was the same as coming up. You know, just continue playing hard and doing what I can do, control what I can control, and uh, you know, everything else will fall into place. How do you balance trying to make the most of this opportunity with still staying within yourself and not trying to do too much? Uh, I mean, at the end of the get, and at the end of the day, you know, I remind myself that uh, we're playing baseball here, so. Um, you know, it's awesome to be up here and uh, experience all of this, but, you know, it's still a game at the end of the day, the same game that I grew up playing when I was a little boy, so that I loved playing and fell in love with as a, as a little kid. So I think that thought alone helps me kind of, you know, ream in the, the anxiety and uh, the nerves a little bit and just kind of focus on what I'm here to do. And Demerit's reach based in every game. He's He is a former first-round pick, but he's 27 years old. You can see all those tools that that, that put him up high up in the draft uh, starting to finally pay off for the Braves. A hundred percent. The ball, Max Fried called him one of those skinny pop guys where he doesn't look it, but then he hits the ball just as far as as other people. Brian Snickers said his ball, you know, the ball just comes off his bat differently. You see that pop. um, You see kind of some of that gap to gap stuff even, you know, and he's had a couple, you know, extra base hits. Um, then you see the speed, the inside the park homer that I didn't think even got that far away from uh, Adolis Garcia um, in center field this weekend. Um, and you've seen the glove, like you've seen that multiple times, just the IQ, you know, and in right field too, like just the smarts um, in the outfield. You see the, all the tools, and when a guy goes down like Eddie Rosario, that's an opportunity for a guy to step up, and he's really making the most of it. And I mean, it's going to be. Whenever they have to make any decisions um, on this, if they ever do, it's going to be tough to option a guy like that just because he's played so well for you. I mean, heck, they hit him leadoff, um, and he was great setting the table, you know, when, in Ronald Acuna's absence um, after Acuna's first game back. Uh, and he's a really smart guy, and, yeah, he's, you know, he's been great to deal with. Um, you know, he's, he's you can tell he's very appreciative of the opportunity, and you can tell it on the field, too, because he's really going out there and he's doing – He's doing everything, you know, pretty much everything really well, and that's difficult to do at this level um, when it's your first stint um, in the big leagues this year. That is the kind of access you get with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and we do want to remind you about a special subscription offer to the AJC that helps pay for our coverage, and it's just for Braves fans. We call it our season pass, and you get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, not just Justin's reporting, but 
everything we have online, sports, news. You get it all from now until the end of the World Series for just $39.99. Plus, we'll throw in our special Worth the Wait Championship Edition front page. That's our special gift. So take advantage of this offer now. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass for unlimited Braves coverage for just $39.99. Now, to the week ahead in this big four-game set with the Mets. Here's what Snit expects. Pitching, probably. Hit, key hits, you know, hitting with guys on. Everything is no different than anybody else you play. I mean, it's a good club. We knew that coming into the season. They've been playing very well. Things And, and um, so, you you know, you better you better make pitches, you better make plays, and you better get hits. I mean, it, it's, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's a good club. Four-game series in May. As we record this, Mets have got a five-and-a-half game lead. They're playing on Sunday night. Are they that much better than the Braves right now? Right now, yes. In general, no. I think the Braves just started slow. I think there are real reasons to be concerned about the Braves if some of these things continue. But the Mets are off to a hot start. Um, We've seen these things happen before. I've said before on this podcast that, you know, as somebody who's covered the Mets, I'll believe it when I see it almost. Now, I qualify that with saying this team looks really good this year. Um, we're only through a month, but their rotation looks incredible. Even the, the names that, you know, aren't household names have pitched to, you know, under three ERAs, sub threes. Um, the lineup looks great. You have guys like Jeff McNeil, who isn't struggling anymore. Um, Eduardo Escobar and Starling Marte have really packed a punch. I think they've got the right mix of guys in the clubhouse now. So the Braves are seriously going to be in, you know, for a dogfight this year with, you know, the Mets and even the Phillies. I mean, the Braves are in fourth place right now. Um, And yet, as you said, they're five and a half back as we speak. Now they've got four games in New York this week. That can change. I think right now the Mets have just played far more consistent baseball than the Braves in all facets. Um, It really, it, it hasn't been super close. The Braves have... You know, the Mets have, you know, started their season by winning every series. Um, You know, they're playing for another one right now. But the Braves have lost series to teams like the Nationals and the Marlins and the Rangers. Like, these teams are not on the same level right now. That doesn't mean the Braves aren't as good. I think when the Braves get into swing, they're they're definitely as good. I mean, we've seen the talent in the rotation. We've seen the talent in the bullpen. Obviously, the lineup, like I said earlier, the first half of that lineup is, you know, about as good as any you're going to find in baseball, maybe the best. And so I think the Braves, you know, things will even out and they will be as good as the Mets. I think those two teams are very evenly matched along with the Dodgers. But right now, you know, if I wouldn't blame Braves fans who are kind of concerned about this because the Mets do just look like a better all-around team right now. Lindor doesn't look like he's playing under the weight of 300 plus million dollars anymore either. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, He had a an awful, you know, first season in Queens by his standard. He looks like he, he's playing much better. He looks much better. Tyler McGill was uh, no fluke. He started what became a combined no-hitter of a Phillies lineup that was supposed to be full of world beaters, you know, entering the season. A couple days ago, they no-hit the Phillies. You know, and so I think, you know, they've added Max Scherzer. They The Mets will mix miss Max Scherzer, who is pitching, you know, as we record this podcast. Um, so that's one thing they have going for them. But the Braves will miss Max Scherzer, but the Braves have every bit as much talent as the Mets do. They just haven't played up to their potential quite yet. Um, but I think what really does scare you know the rest of the NL teams or should is that depth in the Mets rotation. The guys that needed to perform 
Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, Tyler McGill, David Peterson, guys like that are performing. Um, a guy like Edwin Diaz is performing. The bullpen, they've had some struggles there, but in the Mets bullpen, but there's a lot of talent there. And that lineup, again, you know, you have Jeff McGill is no longer struggling. Francisco Lindor is no longer struggling. Dom Smith appears to be fighting for a roster spot and just hit a run scoring double on Sunday night baseball. So I, I think there's a lot there. But look, the Braves are, you know, can be just as deep, just as talented if things go well. I think they just really need to, they're starting to figure them, they're trying to figure themselves out. Um, and they're really just trying to kind of stay even keeled in through this and until they can hit a run. And that th- they think they'll do it. It might just take a little time. Here's the qualifier to that, though. Last year, as you and I know, the Braves had time. Uh, they had time to figure it out. By the time they went on the run in August, you know, the Mets were had just been treading water and they were in first place, but had just been treading water. They, you know, they weren't pulling away this year. It doesn't look like the Mets are going to give the Braves as much time. Pitching matchups for this series, Freed against Bassett on Monday. Charlie Morton and Kyle Wright will pitch in some order in the doubleheader on Tuesday. Don't know yet. Uh, Carlos Carrasco will pitch for the Mets in the first half of the doubleheader. They've not announced their starter for game two. Any idea who that may be? Uh, Yeah, it could be. I actually asked somebody about that. Uh, So it could be David Peterson, actually. They had optioned him. He'd pitched pretty well for them when they needed him. Um, because of injury to Taiwan Walker, I believe. Um, and Walker's back, and they'd optioned Peterson. He should be, he's, so that that could be David Peterson for that game two start. Uh, and obviously that, you know, that finale, like you said, McGill. And then, yeah, and McGill and Anderson uh, on Wednesday. Mets are second in average, second in ERA, third in run differential, touching all the bases there. Anything that stands out to you in, in, in those pitching matchups? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, for me, it's having Wright and Morton on the same day. Uh, so I think, um, you know, Carrasco's pitched really well this year. Peterson's pitched well. But I think for the Braves, having the opportunity to have that doubleheader with Wright and Morton, uh, two guys, you know, who should who should be, you know, two of your top starters if you want to say, you know, Charlie Morton would return to form. If he can do that, you know, give them one good game. Kyle Wright's pitched well. They've got a real opportunity to take both games there. Uh, I think that's about as good as you can hope for – you know, a doubleheader type starters uh, without, you know, Max Fried being in the fold because he's going Monday. But I think the biggest thing for the Braves that stands out to me is that they're not going to have to use that fifth starter spot during uh, this series and during one of those doubleheader games. So you're not going to, you know, I know a lot of people, fans think that that's like punting a game right now. Um, they're going to have two good guys starting those games. Now to the mailbag, and we will start uh, staying on the subject of the Mets. This is from at Walker LV. He says, as we sit now, who is the favorite for the NL East, and where do you think everybody finishes? Wow, yeah. Um, I think the favorite's the the Mets right now. I mean, you've got to – there's been nothing I've seen that can tell me otherwise right now. But, you know, I think the Braves right now finish, you know, top two. Whether that's one or two, I don't know. But I, I do think they've got enough talent. <laughs> Look, they rattle off a few wins. The Mets lose a few. They still play the Mets so many times as you're including these four – a lot can happen. I'm not ready to say that the Braves are going to finish third or fourth. I think the Phillies finish third, um, the Marlins fourth, and the Nationals fifth. I just don't see, um, you know, the Nationals aren't very good. I know the Marlins haven't played well in some games, but I do think they are improved. So I'd go, you know, Nationals at five, Marlins at four, Phillies at three, Braves or Mets, you know, one and two, just because those look like the top two teams. And it's, it's going to be a dogfight. I just think they're head and shoulders more complete than the other teams in the division if they play well into their potential. 
from Spicy Chicken Nugget, who will not give his name, but he has a good question. How much do you think switching the baseballs has affected our hitting slash pitching? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you've seen that conversation around Major League Baseball. Now, the Braves talked about the cold weather the first couple weeks. It hasn't been so cold since. And I know there's been some befuddlement about, you know, balls that, and you can hear them from the press box, sound like they're hit 420 feet that are dying in the middle of the outfield that it just aren't going anywhere. Um, you know, it could be affecting things. It's just tough to tell. Um, I think we need a little bit more of a sample size of this warm weather first. From Kelly Hitchcock, how important is finding a consistent fifth starter? Pretty comfortable with the top four, but are we okay if we have to keep trying different guys in the fifth, sixth spots in the rotation? Yeah, I think I think it's important personally because you want to have that depth there, at least some quality depth. And I, I know people weren't happy with what Bryce Elder did, but 22-year-old kid coming in, kept the Braves in every game, you know, all four of the games he pitched in. I thought that was pretty good. Um, they've got guys who can, you know, can be there like you could put Spencer Strider in there if you wanted to um, if that came to pass I think they need to find a little bit more reliability there or something just because you know Charlie Morton struggled Ian Anderson has struggled that at times um, has has kind of tried to battle and tried to find it but yeah I, I would say if all goes well you're pretty comfortable with the top four that fifth one could be a wild card for you but it might not matter if you get on a little run and start winning some games. It might not matter as much. But if you're fighting tooth and nail for winning streaks and runs every here and there, it's it's going to matter a lot more in games like today where Kyle Moeller did not pitch very well uh, are going to hurt. From Sean Claibon, will they give Strider the fifth spot in the rotation? Ooh, yeah, that, that could happen, especially – um, with Jackson Stevens being another guy who can eat innings, or you could even pull up, you know, Tucker Davidson for that role eventually. But as of now, I mean, Strider has pitched so well out of the bullpen behind Elder. Um, so you never know what they envision for that. But I think he's the next logical option in terms of a guy who has shown you he can go three scoreless innings for, you know, four and eight, you know, he could, it looks like a guy who can go five innings, two runs, whatever it might be. So I think, I mean, at, at some point, I, you know, you, you have to think he's going to get a shot just because he's performing so well. All right, last question is from Anthony Mason. When is it okay to panic? Ooh, um, I'm a never panic type of guy because eventually the season's going to sort itself you out. You are kind of a chill, kind of a never panic kind of guy. I, I believe that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I just don't, you know, you can't really from worry. San Diego, after all. There we go, there we go. But... I'm detail-oriented. I know you people like answers. And so I am a guy, you know, don't let, let, let's wait till June here. Assess where this team is at June. You saw him get on a run in August. My only thing is, as I mentioned earlier, are the Mets going to give this team enough time to, you know, are they going to give them until August to make a run? Who knows? Wait until June, the middle of July, uh, something like that before you even, even after that, before you even start making determinations on this team. But um, if you want to panic, I guess that's, you know, your prerogative. Your, you know, it might be a little tougher until then. Just drink some water, get some sleep, all that stuff. But the Braves, you know, you're in your right mind to to panic right now if you want. Um, I just don't think it's it's worth it. All right, winners of the week, you first. Yeah, the, my winner of the week is the 38,000-plus uh, fans who showed up today, which was the most in Globe Life Field history. Glaring Globe Life Field history is – so the, the the ballpark is so young that Travis Demerits inside the park home run was the first in its history. Yes. Um, those fans are winners to me because today, 
packed house got to see the Nolan Ryan documentary, a pre-screening before oh. it comes out after the game. So yeah, instead of post-game fireworks or a post-game, you know, laser show or whatnot, it was, you know, post-game Nolan Ryan documentary. So those, you know, the people who came out to see it, um, I thought the concourse was unusually packed for a Sunday afternoon game for a team that has won less than 10 games. But, you know, it was because of that Nolan Ryan documentary. So I think they all go home winners. Uh, mine is uh, coming from the minor leagues, and it's Michael Harris. Two more homers on Sunday at Double A Mississippi. He's hitting three thirty three. He's got nine stolen bases as well, and he's reached base in all twenty one games he has played. Oh yeah, no that he he's good, but um, yeah, don't worry. Twitter Twitter will tell you because people are going to be asking to call him up rather soon here, and, and they won't. You know, he he needs some time, everybody, but he is. Uh, he is the real deal. There is there is nothing that is ad- advertised about him that is wrong. <laughs> what are you looking forward to seeing when you go back to New York? Honestly, looking forward to get these game getting these games in. It's supposed to rain a couple days there. Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. I I'm ready to see the Braves play against an opponent like the Mets. And what I mean by that is in LA, you know, when the Dodgers jumped on, you know, a uh, the Braves punch back. Uh, they had some punch in those games. They played a complete game in the game they won there. Me thinks that they won't look as bad as they have against some of these lesser opponents. I think they're really going to rise to the challenge. I'm, I'm excited to see if they do rise to the challenge um, for a division foe, what Austin Ry- Riley called a, a rivalry. You know, he said there's going to be a sense of urgency. You know, I think they're going to be there's going to be some emotion in these games because both teams know how important they are with the starts that they've gotten off to. Uh, so I'm excited to see if if the Braves really get up for this one. All right, so that's where we will leave it. And remember, new shows of this podcast come out every Monday. So please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. That really helps us grow this show. And Justin, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, Justin C. Toscano. That is Justin, and the letter C, and then T-O-S-C-A-N-O. Thank you all for listening. Um, Jay, thank you for being on. And, uh, yeah, it'll it'll be good to catch up after, you know, a week in Queens and then a, a you know, home series against the Brewers. All right, we'll see you next week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.